the Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the St Albans podcast with Danny Smith. Welcome along to another edition of the St Albans Film Guide and uh, the host this week is none other than uh, your friend of mine, Max Hartington. Pleasure to be back. Yeah. He says that most sincerely. He said uh, that through gritted teeth. <laughs> yeah. We're snitching on each other in the show. This this beats uh, this beats uh, your day job, surely. <laughs> it's a lot quieter, yeah. for better or worse. Anyway, uh, what we do with the film guide is the host, uh, it, or the, the main guide, this, which this week is Max, uh, the main guide picks out uh, movies that are on free-to-air TV uh, that are worth watching. Uh, and normally it's around about one a day. Uh, we'll find out what Max's choice, choices are for the week ahead a bit later. We'll also be looking at... Um, there's a section of the film of the show where we look at uh, an action film that Max puts uh, brings to our attention uh, in a bit that we call uh, Max's Action Films, where he takes his action films to the Max. I think it's getting louder every single time. I think you're shouting, that's why. Maybe that is. Try again. Max. Okay, I'll just not just scream into the microphone next time. That might work. <laughs> So yeah, Max's action films. Uh, before that, we'll be looking at uh, new uh, releases on the streaming services, but we're going to start things off with a look in the cinemas. And uh, there are three films we're going to tell you about this week, uh, the f- and they're all out uh, on the 18th of November. Uh, we start off with Confess Fletch. After becoming the prime suspect in multiple murders, Fletch strives to prove his innocence while simultaneously searching for his fiancée's stolen art collection. So this seems like it's a, well, Fletch, to start off, we should say that this is actually part of, um, it's part of a series of films that have previously released. Uh, But it's not actually, people might know the Fletch name from a a film series from the 80s starring uh, Chevy Chase, who plays this character who's sort of uh, an investigative reporter who, you know, gets mixed up in, you know, all sorts of, rackets and crime things and tries to navigate his way through them but um so people might recognize the name from there but this film is actually a sort of standalone uh adaptation of gregory mcdonald's original character and the stories that had this so yes yeah, so this is based on the this is an, an another film this is a film based on one of the other books yeah as opposed to being the a continuation of the chevy chase chevy film Chase's series character. but it is all featuring the same character yes Fletch. yeah except this time uh on that note uh we've got the director greg Mottola, but uh in terms of starring we have john ham is playing the titular fletch himself uh john ham of mad men fame uh really just always fun to watch as well but it seems like it's he's really sort of delved into comedy i thought uh, if you yeah it's not something i would associate with him with so much you know yeah. i don't think you know you think of him as, as don draper very smartly dressed and serious yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so crying into a whiskey glass sort yeah of thing. <laughs> yeah that's it but also i notice he's got his uh his madman uh, madman co-star john slattery's in this oh, as well brilliant, yeah um i'm not sure he's quite a way down the list so he's possibly quite a small part for for john slattery he, but he's in the trailer him. Just a scene together will do for me. I'll be happy with that. Uh, also starring, we've got uh, Caitlin he's, he Sorry, going back oh, to sorry, uh, John Slattery, but he's appearing in a lot of things of late. I've just watched him in The Good Fight, which uh, is uh, an, a series that was a continuation of the series The Good Wife. Ah. And he's played one of the main characters in, in the most recent series of that as well. Oh, right. Um, but uh, but yeah so okay so you've got the, so you've got those two and then who else were you saying? But, oh, so we've also got uh, Caitlin Zera is also starring uh Caitlin Zara Rose. Rose to get her full name. Uh, she's playing uh, Laurel Goodwin. We've got uh, Roy Wood Jr. Uh, just name a few people, and even uh, I've been also been scouting for the list as well. I'm just glad to see Karma Clackland's also uh, making an appearance in this one as well. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know the two two white haired famous people there with uh, <laughs> John Slattery and Karma Clackland. Yeah, uh, be exciting to see what they what they get mixed into. But it does seem like the way this is sort of an investigative like uh, you know scene to scene. In, uh, I'm trying to think of what was it. I, yeah. want, I want to say sort of noir. It's not. It's more sort of pulpy instead, isn't it? So yeah. So I, I remember. I, I'm not even sure if I've seen the original Fletch movies, but mm. I think he was an investigative journalist. Yeah. And I think part of it was that he was like a master of disguise, and he had all these different identities <laughs> all the time, and that was part of the joke that he would. And every tell. every time he went up to like a hotel reception, he was a different person, uh, and and so. Uh, I don't know how much of that is is, and also he was a little bit goofy. Yeah, and, and that, that it wasn't because he was really really good at his job, but he tended to be more lucky than anything <laughs> else. And and certainly it looks like that's that's the the angle that they're playing on, yeah. with this. But it also looks like it's set in Rome. Yeah, because there's the is it the Colosseum in the background? The Colosseum in the background seems like it's a sort of a travels through Europe. Yeah. Okay, so that's um, that's Confess Fletch, which is out on the 18th of 
uh, of November. Also uh, out on the same day, we have The Menu. In this film, a young couple travels to a remote island to eat an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. Uh, this is listed as a dark comedy horror thriller. All right, so you know straight away that they're going to be eating people. Yeah, that is sort of... You do have an idea of the twist, don't yeah. you? Uh, maybe the twist will be that they're not eating people, but we've got uh, all the steps so far very much make it seem like that don't they yeah I mean that'd be my guess is, is I know nothing of this movie uh, but it's got um, uh, you've got Ray Fiennes in there yeah. and uh, and a few others great you? cast uh, Ray Fiennes is, is starring as the, uh, the the titular chef of the menu the one who is going to uh, he's not really titular if he's, he's not, not in the title the, the iconic the notable chef okay he also, should we say he's the chef who created the titular menu that's correct isn't it uh, yeah yeah you could have that there we yeah. go saved it it's not my seventh or eighth podcast appearance at this point is it no anyway uh it certainly doesn't feel like it no <laughs> so ray finds is starring as the titular chef himself he's not he's not titular oh, i keep i've gone back yeah yeah stop get that word out of your again. head uh, yeah, I'm not. Edit- I'm not cutting this. I so, know you're not. No. That's all right. No. So he's the chef. The but you, you could talking. say he created the titular Ray menu. Fiennes is the chef who creates the titular menu in this film. Uh, he's the one who invites all these people to a sort of a an isolated island where he's going to one by one serve them uh, meals crafted particularly for them. Uh, alongside them, you've got the young couple who who are in the, uh, the the main focal our focal characters are played by uh, Andy Taylor-Joy, who, of course, is really... I, I believe we've mentioned her previously on the podcast, but she's another one who's really picked up in her fame recently. Quite an up-and-coming star, isn't yeah. she? Uh, she's... she's um, I th- yeah, so she she's classed here as British American mm. um, because I've, I've seen her do both. I've only ever heard her sound... I mean, I've, I've heard her speak American in films, but from yeah. what I've seen of her talking, she sounds really British. Because she was born in America, but uh, I think her family are British. Uh, uh, but a she, very yeah, convenient she, passport she, if you want to be an actor, though. Yeah, but most recently she was in uh, The Queen's Gambit, which uh, was particularly popular on Netflix. Oh, she was also in Split, yeah. the, the M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dang film. Last Night in Soho as well with Edgar Wright. Oh, so. she was great yeah, in that. Really fantastic. So that good in that that's a cracking little film so i think at that point maybe, it makes maybe, you think doctor who's evil <laughs> maybe she's dipped her toes into the sort of the horror market and then this was the next one to go in. Maybe. and of course the other half of the, of the couple that she's in is nicholas holt who uh we know him from first appearing in about a boy but he's been x-men and he's been beast in the x-men there's future past ones he they both actually funny enough their connection there is they both start starting to star in the new sort of mad max cinematic world aren't they oh nicholas yeah. holt starred as um one of the war boys in Fury Road and um, Andy Taylor-Joy is going to be playing Furiosa in the, the prequel that's okay. coming out at some point so there's a bit right. of trivia for you there I, I do like the fact as well it says here John Leguizamo as movie star um, <laughs> which is possibly a title he has not really earned for many a yeah. year now <laughs> Maybe the actor he's playing in there is not actually John Leguizamo. He's playing an actor that's more famous than than he really is. But he has been in some good films. You do wonder how how important the role he's going to play in this film if he's only ever known as movie star, don't you? Yeah, yeah. If if his characters haven't gotten that, well, it's interesting because the, the Nicholas Holt and Anya Taylor Joy they've only they're only listed with single name uh, mm. characters. Where um, and in fact, looking down the cast list, most of them are. I guess that's the start of the film then. Yeah, yeah, they've only got first names, uh, except the only one with two names is Ray Fiennes, who's, who's Chef Slovic. Oh. And, and Chef's probably not his Christian name. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm guessing. Uh, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going out on a limb here. I'm going to say that the director's intent might have been if he lists it all as, if he listed all of the names as uh, single, single descriptions, maybe that's where, why they sound like menu items. Well, there you go. That's that's Max's like you want, interpretation, which sure. could could be the case. If you want the answer for that? You have to go and see it. I guess so. Uh, anyway, that's that's the second movie that we're telling you about this week. Uh, that's also out on the eighteenth of November. The final one out on the eighteenth of November is uh, called Armageddon Time. Uh, this is a deeply personal coming of age story. This is the sequel to Armageddon. I did think that when I first stopped. But, is it uh, Bruce Willis Bruce going Willis, on? A... Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, nowhere to be no. seen. On this oh. one, so, uh, Smith doing the music. Uh, so like, I'll give you the description first and you tell me if it sounds like it's something that's suitable for an Aerosmith uh, uh, so this deeply personal coming of age story is about the strength of family and the generational pursuit of the American dream uh, it's set in an 80s uh, New York City and it's sort of a family drama dealing with uh, three generations struggling with uh, lives under the uh, well, facing life under the Reagan era uh, America um, but I don't know maybe at that point Aerosmith do you think that's going to fit in there? They were around in the 80s yeah <laughs> but uh, but a very yeah, young Aerosmith a strong cast though yeah, really strong cast. That was a so, pun. Uh, 
You've not seen the gift. I, I, so I'll give you the, again. I, I'm well aware now. Anne Hathaway is uh, starring in this yeah, one. Uh, that's not why it's a strong Anne cast, is it? Jeremy Strong. Hey, <laughs> Jeremy Strong starring in this one. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, of course, is playing. So in terms of the three generations of the family, you've got mm. Anne Hathaway, Jeremy Strong playing a husband and wife. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is playing the fa- the grandfather in this situation, and we've got Banks Peter playing uh, the younger son in this family. Each of them going off on their own little plots. And now, what I think is quite things. interesting is if you scroll down far enough through the cast list, you eventually get to Jessica Chastain. Yeah, yeah, who, who normally would be at the top of top such a list. Well, yeah. um, but but the, the, given how low down she's listed, that makes you think that she's not got a very big part in this. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a, basically a cameo. Maybe she took the chance. But uh, the story itself is uh, written and directed by James Gray, and from what it seems to be, it seems to be a very personal sort of retelling of his life growing up. Okay, and that's uh, not the James Gray who was the former St Albans City Football Club manager. Not that I'm aware of. No, <laughs> I don't think it is. If it is, I mean, you can see why He's he, former he, player manager. Why, you can see why he dropped it then, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'd love to. I'd love to coach, but I've got to pop off to uh, <laughs> retell my growing up in New York. For those who might be interested to know, uh, he did direct Ad Astra with uh, Brad mm. Pitt in it, and he also directed The Lost City of Z with. Was Brad Pitt in that as well? Uh, Lost City of Z? No, I'm thinking of the the Lost. zombie thing. No, uh, Lost City of Z was Charlie Hunnam. Ah, oh yes. Um, so uh, Charlie Hunnam, the man who, if you need him to play a role, he will he'll play it. But he won't be happy about as it. As long as you don't ask him about working with Ant and Deck when he <laughs> when he used to be on Biker Grove. <laughs> but I think he's I think he's over that by now. But I think um yeah from what I've uh, Ad Astra was another one that was very despite the whole sort of play of it being you know brad pitt's firing off into space it was still a very personal story about brad pitt's relationship with his father yeah so it does make you think that maybe james gray has found his niche of uh he wants to he wants to explore family relationships however and this was what he wanted to do world war z was what i was thinking oh, of that's, that's brad pitt. The brad pitt one. Yeah. different film completely from the lost city of z are there zombies in lost city of z i don't think so oh. Um, very misleading yes yeah in it just maybe his dad's there yeah Um, and there'll be there might be those shouting at the 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 speaker on the radio at the moment they don't listen to this on the radio do they but anyway shouting at the speaker saying saying it's lost city of z and and also it was um you know world war z but (laughs) british z doing it right yeah anyway armageddon time is the third of the new releases that we are telling you about that all um all these films out in the cinemas on friday the 18th of november Hi, I'm Matt Adams, the heart of the Hearts Advertiser for over 10 years. Join me and host Danny Smith for the St Albans Podcast, a weekly look at the news, views and reviews of the city and district of St Albans. As well as our delve into the local stories that matter, we regularly cover topics including health, food and drink, legal matters, the theatre scene and mental health. Alongside our regular features, we talk to people from our wonderful community, sharing some of the amazing work they do. Episodes are released every Wednesday at 7pm and you can find us by going to your podcast platform of choice and searching for the St Albans Podcast. Find out more at stalbanspodcast.com. Time now to take a look at new releases on the streaming services. We're going to start off with Prime Video. Max. Releasing this Friday the 18th, we have The People We Hate at the Wedding. Uh, struggling, uh, struggling American siblings Alice and Paul reluctantly agree to attend the wedding of their estranged wealthy half-sister in the English countryside alongside their mother Donna um, this is directed by Claire Scanlon it stars Alison Janney Ben Platt and Kristen Bell so there are a few people in there hearing those names it sounds very American and you'd be right because this is uh, a bunch of American people uh, a bunch of American people seem to fly over the pond and start uh, harassing people in the English countryside okay let, let, let's go back and, and savour the cast slightly because Alison Janney like that's a, that's a famous name those well th- those who would know of the west wing will know of alison janney because mm. she played cj she was the press secretary for for the whole run of that series and and is a remarkable actress and and has done other things as American well beauty uh yeah yeah okay um i think she might did she get nominated for an oscar recently it was i tonya wasn't it in i tonya she played um tonya harding's mother she did a really good job in that one Okay, because a lot of the film was yeah. exploring their relationship. So, so yeah, great, great actress, yeah. and 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 I'd watch her in just about anything, as I would uh, Kristen Bell, who yeah. I think is so good. So, but for the vampires, though. No, no, she's not. Who is she? She's oh, the other one, Veronica Mars. Oh, Buffy the Vampire. Sarah Michelle, Sarah Michelle Geller. Geller. Would be very oh, upset. that was a massive faux pas. Yeah, made. good thing this is a film and not a TV podcast. <sighs> Yeah, so Kristen Bell, uh, who uh, is is in this as well, who yeah, as we said, played um, 
Uh, she was uh, Veronica Mars in the TV series and the movie. As, as we both said. So it was a movie. As we both said, she played Veronica Mars. Yeah, That's yeah. the only role. And also Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a movie. No, of course it was. Although it wasn't um, Sam Did, she, did, she, not have a role, did she not have a role in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Pretty sure she didn't. I'm sure she did. I think you're making that up. Do you want to put some money on this? No. No. I'm scared, actually. Okay, forgetting Sarah Marshall as well. She played Sarah Marshall. Yes, yeah. You probably forgot that, didn't you? I, I look- uh, and she's, is it Anna in Frozen? Just- is she? Yeah, Kristen oh. Bell is. I think it's. Is that it is Anna? It. Is that how it's spelled? Anna, but I, I used to be told off sure. by children that it was Anna. It's got to be Anna. Okay, we'll go with that then. Uh, but uh, oh, you said was she in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yes. No. Uh, I really, th- I really thought you were gonna. No. Uh, she was in Deadwood. If you ever remember, yes, that. she had yes. a part in that. that uh, I think she was just. I think the, the good place is the thing that most recently. Oh, that's that, so yeah. good. Uh, that, that's a. Uh, Big starring role. Yeah. She was also in Heroes, the, the superhero TV yes. series thing. But but yeah, um, there you go. Kristen Bell, who's a great comedy actress. Really, really good. So I, I trust that she can give a good performance as well. Yeah. So so no, as you described this movie, and I thought, oh, it's straight to, you know, basically straight, straight to streaming to is, is, yeah. is like the old days when it was straight to video or straight yes. to DVD. But with Alison Janney and with uh, Kristen Bell in it, I think this promises to be quite it good. Could, it could go all right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's uh, The People We Hate at the Wedding, which comes out on the 18th of November on Prime Video. And then we are going over to Netflix for our next release, aren't we? Which comes out on the 24th of November. Over on Netflix, we have The Noel Diary, uh, directed by... Oh. Uh, the story of a man who it's, returns home on. Uh, oh, I, give you I don't want to pick you to pieces here. Is it not the Noel? Di- the Noel Diaries. But, well, is it not? Is it? Is it? Oh, because that's the season, isn't it? Is it Noel? I don't well, know. I, I, mean, I think. Uh, sorry, I think. Um, who's, who's the bloke from Deal or No Deal? Oh, what? Noel Edmonds. Yeah, Noel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's spelled Noel. So, all right, go, go in Noel. Because uh, I just thought of Noel Edmonds. So, yeah. uh, uh, the no- Noel Diary uh, it's a story of a man who returns home on Christmas to settle his estranged mother's estate. Uh, once there, he discovers a diary, titular diary, there we go, done it right that time, that may hold secrets to his own past and of a beautiful young woman on a mysterious journey of her own. Feels feels very sort of a hallmark, hallmark, hallmark Christmas film. This one does. It, it really does because it's got the plot of almost every one of those yeah, sorts of Christmas the, movies. I've got to go home and for the set of my mother's affair, but also there's a beautiful yeah. woman who has something to do with my mum's diary. Yeah. Now no, no one no one considers the fact that's sort of actually kind of creepy. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick out some cast members here because there might well be uh, I, things about them that might have passed you by. Mm. James Remar uh, was the uh, the dead father in um, Dexter, the serial killer TV oh. series. He played the the, the father the, throughout the run of that, the one who only Dexter could see because he was dead. Um, and uh, and also he was one of the Warriors. If you remember the yes. the, the late seventies movie, he was one of the main characters in the Warriors. Which character was in the Warriors? He was one of the main ones that looks like him. I don't know what his character name was. I he'd be one of the big ones. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was one of the main stars yeah. of it. That's what I keep saying. Oh, no, I'm at biggest and tall. Uh, I don't know, but anyway, James Remar's in there. He's been in lots and lots of TV stuff um, uh, along the way. Bonnie Bedelia is in it, who played Mrs. John McClane in the Die Hard movies. Of course. Uh, and Justin Hartley, who I believe was the first Aquaman before... Um, the, before Jason Momoa stepped in. And before the guy who didn't really play him, but played him fictionally, on the, I forget now, in Entourage, wasn't it? Um, oh, God. Uh, I know. I, the problem is, I know. I know the fictional actor's name better than the actual actor's name. So yeah, what's the fictional? Vinnie Chase. Yeah, Vinnie Chase. <laughs> Vinnie Chase is yeah. Aquaman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, before that, um, Justin Hartley played Aquaman in a in a pilot that never got turned to a TV series. Really? Yeah, and they never released the pilot. Uh, and but then Justin Hartley was, and it was made by the people who made Smallville. If you remember ah, Smallville, yeah. the thing about young Superman. And because he did so well in it, they recast him as um, the Green Arrow. And he was Green Arrow in Smallville alongside the guy, who Tom Welling, who played Tom Superman. Who that one? Yeah. Oh, wow. so, so Justin Hartley was, was from, from that. So there you go. That's, that's all I know about those casts and that's all I know about this movie. And well, I, can, that. I can give you the so fact that it's uh, directed by Charles Shire, uh, who might have some, might, some people might be aware of his work because he, he wrote uh, 1991's Father of the Bride with Steve Martin and the sequel and The Parent Trap, which is quite known for being like Lindsay Lohan's first sort of film that she came out with. Okay, so, so her version of The Parent Trap because that was also a remake from yes, the 60s. Yeah. He's, so you do wonder, he's, he's good at writing these, but he's writing these sort of... Uh, he takes somebody else's crib notes and then he writes his own film off it, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, so you were asking about which uh, which character James uh, Remar played in uh, The Warriors. He was Ajax. Yes. 
Uh, see, I know which one Ajax is. He's the, he's the yeah. really tall looking one. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, Proper that, menacing looking. Yeah. Um, but he's got nearly 200 credits on his IMDb. He's been in a lot of things over the years. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, that's the film that, that perhaps we've talked longer about it than it deserves. <laughs> I, I did not anticipate I was talking this much about it. <laughs> I bet you it's a load of old, yeah, festive... If it does, it, I don't know. If if um, James if, Remar does end up donning his warriors outfit and tearing through this film, yeah. may, maybe they've just kept out of all the marketing. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's got his he's got his uh, waistcoat and his leather waistcoat and he's de- just definitely just got the guns out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the Noel Diary, Noel Diary, whatever. No Yeah, um, it's out on the twenty fourth of November on Netflix. The Film Guide with Max Hartington, part of the Sylvester Podcast with Danny Smith. So we've reached that point in the show where we look at another action film for a a sequence a section called max's action films where max takes action films to to the max did it again i really went close there sorry to the max to the max howard linsky does it so much better (laughs) just saying (laughs) love it brewing the rivalry in the studio which is what your girlfriend says as well oh (laughs) dude <laughs> hello. This has gone out on a podcast. Yeah, hello, Mrs. Linsky. By the yeah. way, if you're listening, yeah. A, uh, yeah. Oh, honestly, the the studio drama here. It's yeah. yeah. Anyway. Rival- rivaling uh, Radio One. Anyway, yeah, and and also, I guess, yeah. Hello, to, to, does your significant other listen to this? She has actually. So yeah. She has, there, so, Katie, please don't take anything so seriously. No. Uh, although maybe she now wants to meet Howard who, who know. Katie can we talk about what Katie, the, this is my section call, that call, call me this is my section meant to be talking I, about I, I can hook you up <laughs> anyway yeah so Max uh, each month you cho- or each time you're on the show you choose an action film uh, and this started off as like 80s action films you, mm-hmm. you've, you've gone away from the 80s era on, on several occasions but you are squarely back into the 80s for this one absolute peak 80s here we have none other than the Karate Kid uh, 1984 Absolutely fantastic film. Uh, give you the basic summary. Martial arts master agrees to teach karate to a bully teenager. But it's so much more than that. Anyone who's seen it will know that there is so much in this film. And I, I actually saw this one really recently, despite my claim to wanting to know so many classic action films. But I walked out of this film just absolutely floored by how, how much I enjoyed it. Several questions here. First one, how did you not see it before a couple of weeks ago? It, it feels like I must have spent my entire life just actively avoiding watching it because I knew I understood all the references I knew about you know the wax on wax off wax on all, wax off all those Mr Miyagi of, yeah, like, all yeah. the sort of classics I knew about um, Danny LaRusso and all, all of these all so of did these it feel like you'd seen it without having seen it because it's so iconic see it, it, it really doesn't because I really sorry I really feel like I didn't because the thing is all of the famous scenes that people reference while it's built up to it's the actual heart of the film which is the relationship between um, uh, uh, Daniel and Mr. Miyagi is what, what's at the core of this film and I don't think you can really enjoy that until you get the time of them spending the time like you get the joy of watching the film to see those characters spend that time together you learn you don't learn the significance of wax on wax off and you know uh, left to right apply the paint everything yeah it, it's, it means so much more when you see that that's been built up to in the film and it reveals so much about their relationship. When I saw this film, when I was about nine or ten, and you suddenly realise that all these chores are actually yeah. like learning karate moves yeah. without realising it, that was like the twist at the end did of the sixth sense for me. I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> it you blew guys, my mind. Did you guys start doing a lot of housework after that as well? Yeah, I thought, yeah, this will help. <laughs> yeah, it's all right, Mum, I've got this, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's... Um, so, so before you saw it, did yeah. you feel like... I've kind of seen this film without seeing it. I think because, that's it. Yeah, because I, think, well, I, I know what happens. Yeah, I, I think maybe that's part of the reason why I hadn't really got out of my way to watch it. Maybe I just thought, you know what? Okay, it's a kid. He gets bullied. Uh, old man teaches him a little bit of karate by accident, and then he goes and fights in a martial arts tournament. Mm. That's pretty much it. So to give some give some facts, give a little bit of background. The film was nominated for an Oscar for best supporting actor for for the guy who played Mr. Miyagi, uh, Pat Morita, uh, and um, yes, it. I think people might forget that a film like this might have got some award recognition. Yeah. Um, much like Rocky, people forget that Rocky won Best Picture at the Oscars, was nominated mm. for Best Actor, I think nominated for Best Screenplay. Rocky was nominated lot, yeah. for a lot of Oscars. Became something of a parody of itself and a joke as it went on. But but the original one was, was, was very much considered a... Um, you know, a classic and, and, and one that was not just a, a box office hit, but was also a, um, a you know, critically acclaimed. Yeah. Now, and, uh, did, on, you, the, on that note, shared director there. 
Yeah, with um, John G. Alverton. And I think, again, this, the film feels just really real. There is something very Rocky-esque about it the is. journey, isn't it? Of the training of the guy who, who then ends up in a tournament at yeah. the end and, and all of that. It, there is something about it all. But but as you said, it's got I mean, I, I heart, was cheering. isn't yeah, it? It's got real heart. And honestly, I was cheering for da- Daniel LaRusso by, yeah. by the end of this film. Even though, uh, as time has gone on, people have started to question whether Daniel LaRusso is the, the hero that we think he is. Well, he was, de- he was definitely painted to be the hero. But of course, what you're alluding yeah. to there is there was an online, quite a big online movement uh, of fans of the Karate Kids who offered up a different hypothesis, which yeah. was that, in fact, the young the young guy who was his main opponent, who was sort of thought of as the bully, uh, was maybe he was the victim, yeah. and maybe Daniel LaRusso was the bully, looking at some of what's going on. Going after Johnny Lawrence, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other thing was is that he wasn't just a two-dimensional bully, was he? He wasn't really just mm. a, a straight um, villain. There was a lot more to it, wasn't there? There's things going on there. I think, that, well, I've, I've watched some of the, the, uh, the features behind this film. William Zapka, who plays Johnny Lawrence, explains that um, for the character who, you know, obviously is, is targeting Daniel DeRusso and bullying him, he's got this relationship with his dojo where he's missing things. And his, he he created so much for this character that, that I really think adds to the film and that he's really struggling, that like he's missing a father figure. And then there's this, you've got this dojo which is manned by uh, none other than Kreese, who is this absolute, you know, thug who teaches a bunch of kids the most lethal karate ever and bullies them all the time into doing doing. Yeah, his so bidding. he's the real villain in the he's piece, the real isn't he? This. But again, even even that is so good. You've got you know some of the teenagers are sort of well, that they're portrayed as being just teenagers who are using it as an out, outing, and then you've got Martin Cove playing Kreese, who is just the most evil person to ever run a dojo and you know he's telling these kids to go and stick their fingers in people's eyes and trip them over and do play the dirtiest tactics in a kids martial arts tournament it is uh, yeah but it's a classic yeah. movie it's got so many iconic moments and scenes in it it, yeah. it really was an 80s movie that, that and it's it just it's so well choreographed I mean all of the talking about action action scenes the fight scenes in this are just so so good to watch like that every single karate move feels very very earned like it doesn't feel like there's a lot of snap cuts and i think of course a lot of that is from pat marita not actually doing much of his much of his own kung fu but what what, it, what, it, what we do see happen is really impressive to watch and i think by all accounts he had a stunt uh, double who yeah. who looked so much like him that they got away with yeah. uh um w- w- with yeah using the double yeah. for an awful lot of the action and i do things. think i think this is something that we always we always really touch on because we talk about these 80s action films is the fact that the idea of the, the sort of the practical stunts and you look and you go i know someone did this and this is very much a case of people who have really choreographed their moves have have uh, performed in this that maybe we don't see as filmmaking has gone to people making like sort of snap cuts and really you know uh, tactically cutting in shots of somebody else doing it it's not quite as impressive to have these long shots of people performing Mm. but uh this film nails it and you know it's great action but then when it's not great action you've just got great characters who you enjoy spending time with okay that's uh, the karate kid then that's the film that's going into max's action films uh where of course uh it is taking action films to the Max didn't shout that time. <laughs> Hi, I'm Elspeth Jackman, inviting you to listen to my podcast One to One with Elspeth. Find a local person with a story, and I'll be there to draw out all those little details you want to know about. If I'm fascinated, so will you be. Each week I'll be talking to an interesting character who has a tale to tell. And the beauty of it is you can listen whenever you want to. To find the podcast, go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the St. Albans Podcast. Alternatively, go to stalbanspodcast.com slash Elspeth. That's One to One with Elspeth, part of the St. Albans Podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. You never know, you could be my next guest. Well, it's time to take a look at the films that Max has chosen as the ones to watch on free-to-air TV for the week ahead. We start off with the 18th of November, Friday the 18th, uh, ITV4, 10pm, Pitch Black. This sci-fi horror tells the story of a transport ship that crashes and leaves its crew stranded on a desert planet inhabited by bloodthirsty creatures that come out during an eclipse. Uh, just like the title says, Pitch Black, the, this whole sort of concept of um, at night these flesh-eating flying piranhas will come out and eat people and this crew of convicts have to sort of work together to um, 
navigate this and get themselves through it. Um, this is this film's quite famous because it's the creator of uh, Vin Diesel's sort of semi semi iconic character uh, Riddick, who is this you know this man who conveniently on a planet where you can't be in the dark, he's a man who can see in the dark because he's got uh, X ray eyes. Yeah, I mean, he, he's. I, I've never really been a particular fan of his. I don't think he's very good at what he does, and and <laughs> and I think he's very much a one-trick pony. I mean, what's the difference between his character in the Fast and the Furious films and this one? It, it's this it's one wears very, goggles. Yeah, it's very little difference, I, isn't it? I, that is a good point, though. He is playing a comic, but I, I think what's really good about this film is it's a bit before this character he plays of Riddick is taken a little less seriously. So we've got a crew. It's sort of a um. There's a wide cast of characters who we sort of experience. Uh, all of them making their way through this. It's a bit like um, like a disaster film where you've got a group of people who are trying to. It feels a bit like you know the Poseidon uh, adventure or something where they're stuck together and they don't really have a choice. But uh, you've got other actors in this. You've got uh, Rada Mitchell, Cole Hauser, Keith David, who I will always uh, celebrate because he's in the, the best film of all time, The Thing. Uh, oh yes, John Carpenter's. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah I mean this now this was also quite a low budget movie wasn't it yeah. this, this was a very small little low budget movie that did very very well yeah. as did the original Fast and the Furious yeah. you know uh, that there's something clearly that, that Vin Diesel well at least at one point he had there that he was yeah. able to spot these sorts of things but he, he made um, maybe it's before these sort of the characters that we know him for for the Fast and the Furious became very uh, that was all he is sort of thing maybe it was there was a separation between all the roles yeah, because yeah. the when was the first Fast and Furious movie? Uh, oh, here we go. It was 2001. And this came out the year before, 2000. Yeah. So he very much was unknown. The, the biggest thing he probably did at that point was um, it was Saving Private Ryan, which he had a small part in that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. And then the there was a sequel, wasn't there, for... Uh, of um, Pitch Black called The Chronicles of Riddick, Chronicles which had Riddick. Judy Dench in it. Yeah. Quite quite a big cast. Carl Urban's in that one as well. Yeah. So um, so you know clearly like the, and and I believe that one was then considered to be um, quite the uh, you know quite the big budget yeah. thing. Whereas the first one was very small budget. That that I think that's more the time where after the Fast and Furious, Vin Diesel is the drawer in that film. Whereas in this one, the drawer is that it's a sort of gritty sci-fi film. Because um, as far as I can see, it doesn't seem like Vin Diesel was ever mentioned in the marketing for this one. So it was just well, no, he was because he, he was virtually unknown yeah, at this yeah. point. This was his first starring movie, uh, and and I was trying to think what else he's done. So he's done like you know 113 Fast and Furious films, and, yeah. and he's done he's done this. That I oh, think, he did the Triple X. Triple X was the other one, wasn't it? That that was that, that, that's really kind of all he's known for. Yeah, isn't that's it? those three right there. Yeah, um, but did he do? Um, there was another. Was there another um, Pitch Black movie? Was there one? called just Riddick uh, so Riddick was actually so Riddick is another sequel to the Chronicles of Riddick where so we've got Pitch Black where the whole concept is oh convicts get dropped on it on a planet of aliens they have to survive together trying to make it as light as possible Chronicles of Riddick goes really heavy sci-fi and it has something on the lines of uh, Riddick this guy who's just a criminal in the previous one turns out to be the inheritor of a, a giant sort of Dune-esque big sci-fi empire and then Riddick, they go, actually, we didn't like that. So they reset and he uh, gets dumped back on another planet as a convict. So they, they really go back to their roots in, uh, in uh, Riddick. Okay. Well, that's, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pleased. Uh, but uh, yeah, well done. <laughs> but I, I think this one's uh, really, really tense and really good to watch. And I think because you've got a lot of unknowns, you don't know who's making it out. Yeah. Okay. I see, what I remember distinctly, still thinking to this day, is that it does a sort of, gritty sci-fi feel very well for a low budget like they, they explore so many concepts of you know that I, I distinctly remember there's a guy who uh, injects sci-fi drugs by putting them into his eye and that's a scene that really stands out lovely okay so that's pitch black itv 4 10 p.m friday the 18th of november let's move to saturday the 19th uh, 6 40 p.m on uh, itv1 shazam uh, this film tells the story of Billy Batson, a fostered young boy in search of his mother who finds himself uh, unexpectedly gaining superpowers after a fateful ride on a, on a train in uh, Boston. Uh, it leads to him uh, doing uh, fights with none other than the great, uh, than the, the evil force that is Dr. Savannah. Um, I really love this one when I watched it. It's just, I think, 
around a time where there was not a balance of superhero films having a good sense of humor or taking themselves too seriously this film came out and really was just a, a, a fun ride also didn't this kind of act as a bit of a shot in the arm to the uh, to the sort of the dc cinematic yeah. universe which which was not doing as well as the marvel one by no. any stretch of the imagination uh, and 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 suddenly shazam came along and and proved to be fun yeah well, there was a real sort of... All those DC films were really just a bit grim for a while, weren't they? Because we had... Um, obviously, there was Man of Steel, and then we had Batman vs. Superman, Justice League, and the, the only colour palette in those was muted shades of brown and grey. Whereas this one came along... Actually, there were, I mean, there was the first... There was, one, there was the first Wonder Woman film as well, which was generally actually you know explored a lot of, explored a bit more and actually seemed like it felt a bit more out of the comfort zone but this was the first one that actually you know you look at this film compared to the other dc films and there was a bit of color in this one it wasn't afraid to be grim and gritty and it had a good sense of humor and i think uh zachary levi in this one as well was just really really charismatic carried a lot of the film yeah yeah he was yeah uh, yeah completely mm. agree with that it was his yeah. performance which which really because it's People kind of it. big isn't it in in the, i yes. say big the tom hanks movie where you've got a little boy that's suddenly trapped in a man's body yeah. and the fun you can have with that there is this element because he shazam is a teenage boy who then when he ma- mentions the magic word shazam he turns, turns into, into a, yeah. a a adult you know big beefed up adult superhero yeah big muscle suit yeah but he's still a teenage boy inside of that yeah. somewhere and uh and yeah and, and it yeah it, it it really came along well i mean not all of the um the, the i know you you're not a big fan of the dc cinematic universe Ooh, that's, that's it's not really bringing out my controversial takes here but it's not, not controversial no, you're not on your own in not bringing liking out my it. takes but but, um, but they did have uh suicide squad which did rather well for them you yeah. know uh, and another one that was a bit brown though they didn't really have, it was like, dark i mean it was, it was quite adult wasn't it yeah, in many yeah. ways but then you had wonder woman and you had aquaman which were both very well received yes yeah i think this i think that's it wasn't it because around the time wonder woman and aquaman were coming out dc looked like a lot of people thought oh no because people weren't big fans of their batman and their superman mm. superman even yeah were a bit which funny enough that that's completely changed now as well hasn't it in recent news yeah but, um yeah and and now of course we've got um we've got black adam that's dominating the cinemas at the moment just as you didn't predict a couple yeah. of weeks back um <laughs> sorry uh, Dwayne, apologies yeah yeah but it's doing rather well for itself yes, uh, and yeah. uh, and yeah there's a shazam sequel coming out next year shazam yeah. fury of the gods uh, and also next year, there's a Flash movie apparently, and an Aquaman movie coming out next Plenty year. So, out, uh, and there's another one, a Blue Beetle movie. Blue Beetle, yeah. I, I is that like just a sweary John Lennon? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is. I, 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 all I can hope is that that film, that joke comes out in the film. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> uh, you know. You'll be getting, you'll be getting uh, credits for that one. I, I, yeah, I bet if I don't, oof. You know, you heard it here first. Uh, but it's um, Blue Beetle is being is being played by uh, uh, the uh, the actor. I think his name is pronounced um, Zolo Mariduena, who is uh, Miguel in Cobra Kai. Oh, he's playing Blue Beetle, um, yeah. and and uh, yeah, Cobra Kai being the Netflix TV spin off sequel to the Karate Kid, which we mentioned earlier. So this of all comes around. It, honestly, it? this this uh, this. It all interconnected this, yeah. this podcast okay so shazam if you're looking for some fun family friendly um you know superhero cinematic um escapades that that aren't quite as serious and worthy as the the, the marvel other, and not as dark as the earlier dc then then the shazam's your movie and also if it scares you good child acting in this one which is that you know mm. something that, which is a, a real claim to fame yeah and it hasn't got finn wolfhard in it but yeah. it's got <laughs> You know, he'll be in the sequel. Yeah, you, yeah probably. Uh, there you go. That's a Shazam, 6.40pm on ITV1, Saturday the 19th of November. Let's move to Sunday the 20th of November, 11.05pm on Five Star, Django Unchained. Pretty have gone for the opposite. This is less family friendly, isn't it? A little uh, bit less. This Quentin Tarantino film tells the story of uh, the 19th century America, where uh, a freed slave sets out with the help of a German bounty hunter to find his, um, find his wife and free her from the clutches of a br- brutal plantation owner in the Mississippi. Um, this is a, I mean, this one's just, you know, it's, it's over the top. This is Quentin Tarantino doing what he does best. There's uh, lots of foul language in this one. I think this one is very controversial because, of course, for the time it's depicting, it's, it's, there's a lot of certain words thrown in there. But um, the cast in this one just all do such a fantastic job. You've got Jamie Foxx plays the Django, the 
the, you know, the freed slave, who I think does a really good job being the sort of being the heart of this film. But the big part that everyone knows about is uh, Christoph Waltz plays uh, King Schultz, the German bounty hunter, which it was a, a, an award he won an Oscar for for being a supporting character. And Leonardo DiCaprio, of course, appears as the. Um, oh, he's horrible, he's, isn't he's he? He's such he's such a nasty piece of work. In and, this and, and Samuel L. Jackson's pretty horrible yes, as well. The two of them, they're a real yeah. And James Remar that we mentioned from earlier, from the 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 what, what was the movie that he was in? Was it the oh, Christmas the, one? The, the, the Noel Evans one. <laughs> was it the yeah the, the the yeah that one we mentioned earlier that sounds like a right old load of tosh. But yeah. but yeah, James Remar from that is in this as well. Uh, as is one of my favourite actors ever, Walton Goggins. Brilliant. Who who is so good in whatever he does. Uh, you may not know the name, but but if you if you recognise him, you will have yeah. an affinity for him as well. Well, I imagine he's a very good actor. This is probably the one that got him into the Hateful Eight as well, isn't it? I'd he, imagine he plays, so. a, he plays a, a very important character in that one. Yeah. Uh, Walton Goggins was in um, a very acclaimed TV series called The Shield, which is a very cr- gritty cop ah. um, series that he, he co-starred in with the bloke who looks like Grant Mitchell from EastEnders, <laughs> Michael Chiklis. Is that his name? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, he does look like... Um, he does. Yeah, but then he, he he became the main protagonist in Justified, which was... Um, uh, he was very good in that, mm. uh, opposite uh, Timothy, Timothy Oliphant. Timothy in that one, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, and he's done so many other things as well. Look, looking down the list of, of his credits, it's quite impressive. But yeah, so uh, Django Unchained, it characteristic, it characteristically Tarantino, yeah. you know, great script, but very wordy, very yeah. long movie. Look, very verbose film. Yeah. If you go into this one. <laughs> Uh, but but very good nonetheless. Such, such great characters. Yeah, and, and so, it, so many good scenes. Won two Oscars as well, so yeah. that's not too shabby. It won for uh, Best Original Screenplay for Tarantino and uh, Best Supporting Actor for Christoph Waltz. Uh, and it was also nominated for Best Picture and a few others as well. But, uh, but that's uh, Django Unchained, which is on a five star on Sunday the 20th of November at 11.05pm. So let's move to Monday the 21st of November, film four, 9pm. Air Force One. So, in this film, communist radicals uh, hijack the Air Force One, the plane which the US president privately has, uh, who is on there with his family. Uh, The vice president negotiates from Washington, D.C., while the president, a veteran, fights to escape and take his plane back. Uh, This is is on the list because it's uh, just an absolute cheese classic, isn't it? This is just Harrison Ford, of course, stars as the president, which... That, that alone should make you want to watch this film. There's a period of time in, in Harrison Ford's career where he, he kept playing white-collar people who, who tended to be able to mm. fight and shoot a lot. You know, So he was, you know, he was Jack Ryan in two of those movies, and he, he did that rather well. Not long like, after The Fugitive, I, the yeah, Fugitive, I imagine. And, and, then, well. and then Air Force One came along as well, where he's basically Jack Ryan yeah. on a plane. Really want to try and push the... Anyone could be a hero as long yeah. as they're Harrison Ford. Because if you know anything of the Jack Ryan character from the books by Tom Clancy, the character does become president. Mm. So having and and Harrison Ford, you could almost think this is this is him as the president. It, 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 in as much as you could watch The Rock and think this is Sean Connery's James Bond as an older man, ah. you could watch Air Force One and think this is another Jack Ryan film. Uh, but and, and also wonderfully directed by Wolfgang Peterson. A classic German director uh, who has uh, made some some cracking films. Uh, the Boat uh, or Das Boot, I think it was probably known more, more as oh, yeah. the, the German um, U-boat uh, movie. Wolfgang from Peterson, the the, uh, the director who likes to put people inside uh, metal tubes and then make them fight their way out of yeah. it. <laughs> uh, In the Line of Fire was him. The Perfect Storm was him. Uh, Troy, he did the remake of, the, of Poseidon. Oh. Uh, he has done some cracking films. Uh, uh, he also did The NeverEnding Story back in the 80s, but never mind. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, interesting given that he's only done a handful of movies but the movies he's done or the ones I just rattled off he's done yes. some crackers so um so yeah that's um air force one great performance as well gary Oldman is gary Oldman, yeah yeah this, this is this is really gary Oldman's villain era isn't it around the, the 90s where he's doing um well if you couldn't afford alan rickman you had yeah. to look around didn't you for, for british guys to play your bad guy <laughs> It was because he was doing this one. He was doing the Fifth Element. He was doing um, Leon the Professional. Uh, anything that gets him in people's faces and shouting at them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Essentially, sometimes in funny accents as well. Yeah. So that's uh, Gary Oldman's in this. Glenn Close is in there as well. Yeah. She plays the Vice President. Uh, it has uh, Dean, Macy. Dean Stockwell, who is uh, a, a great um, character actor, and he was for many years he co-starred in Quantum Leap. He was the the the, the assistant or the ah. friend of the the guy who was jumping around in time every week. 
But uh, but yeah, really really good cast there. William H Macy, as you mentioned, uh, more recently made a name for starring in the American version of Shameless, mm. but he's been in so many good movies over the years. Fargo, uh, it's a name. Name just one. Yeah. Fargo, what a yeah. film. What, what a what a sad character okay. in Fargo. <laughs> and I mentioned Das Boot. Uh, the star of Das Boot was Jürgen Prochnow, who's also in this movie, uh, who has a smaller role in this movie. But he was uh, he was the the um, the star of Das Boot. He was also in Dune. He played uh, the in the nineteen eighties the, uh, the, the, the Carl McLachlan one. Yeah, again uh, mentioned him earlier in the podcast. Yeah, there you go. See, it's, it's, there's a symmetry to all of this. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, that's the movie uh, that uh, Air Force One that Max has recommended, which is also really one that could have gone into your action movies. Yeah, so. honestly. But uh, no, Air Force One, nine p.m. Well, no, don't be lazy. Air Force One is on uh, Monday, the twenty-first of November, nine p.m. on Film Four. Let's move to Wednesday, the twenty-third of November. Uh, on ITV4, 11.10pm, another appearance from Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. in The Wolf of Wall Street. In this crime biography, it's uh, based on the true story of Jordan Belfort. It's about his rise to uh, being a wealthy stockbroker, living the high life, to his fall involving crime, corruption and the federal government. Of course, directed by Martin Scorsese, who absolutely loves the rise and fall film, doesn't he? Uh, you spend three hours with the with the character of Jordan Belfort, played by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in this one. But I think, I mean, every, every single time... Uh, this is one of those films that lots of people rate really highly uh, just because I think it came out at a time where it was really sort of glorifying, glorifying the whole um, well, the, the Wall Street life wasn't it and a lot of people were like oh Jordan Belfort's the person that I really want to be and it was think, those 80s excesses of Wall Street that, yeah. that this film was celebrating but, uh, and, and, and I watched this movie right yes. and because it was Scorsese all the way through it I was tense and I was waiting for Jonah Hill to go all Joe Pesci on somebody yes. all the way through it and at the end of it, I just couldn't. I was almost disappointed by that because that because this is really a comedy. This is a a, a, a biographical comedy, and and um, there is no none of those usual Scorsese things. You know the the sort of you know organized crime, extreme violence yeah. sort of things that he often does. It isn't this film. Yeah, even the fool is portrayed in a comical aspect, isn't it? But I think it's it's Leonardo DiCaprio's Jordan Belfort. I don't know if maybe the whole idea is that maybe. Um, I'm sure people have called it a Jordan Belfort retelling of his own life in that it's uh, very tongue-in-cheek and very uh, doesn't really uh, draw much attention to the actual state of what happened. But Yeah, and also introduced the world to Margot Robbie. Unless yeah. you were a fan of Neighbours, then you might already have known who she was. But but this was the first big movie, I think, that Margot Robbie did and, and did a very good job oh, yeah. in it. Uh, she, 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 uh, she did ever so well in this film. Uh, but uh, yeah. but yeah, the great great film, great and cast as well. Like you said, Jonah Hill in this one does a does a really. I'm sure there's a story from behind the scenes that Jonah Hill took a massive massive pay cut just to be in this film alongside, uh, obviously with Martin Scorsese directing Leonardo DiCaprio. But I think, I mean, his character in this one is so over the top. He's got these big uh, big prosthetic teeth in the whole time, doesn't he? He talks with a lisp half the time. Yeah. And and yeah, it's um, yeah he's he's very good in it. He's yeah. very funny. And, but all the time, I kept expecting him to freak out and do a Joe Pesci and go crazy <laughs> on a pizza delivery guy. Or I like the description of doing a Joe Pesci is something that someone can do. But it is definitely yeah. Well, well, he tends to do that a lot in films directed by Martin Scorsese. So I thought well, maybe he's found his new Joe Pesci in Jonah make, Hill. I personally want to make that a verb yeah. now. Saying you're going to go and Joe Pesci someone. Yeah, but you also had in there a Matthew McConaughey was in it as yeah. well with quite a scene stealing moment. A John Favreau was in it Kyle uh, Chandler playing the, the FBI agent yeah. investigating John Bernthal playing some bloke with a really ugly face your favourite actor yeah. John Bernthal the Punisher yeah yeah he, he, again once again having a face that looks like it was on fire and someone put it out with a shovel hello John if you're listening <laughs> um, no he always looks like he's just stepped out of a barroom brawl doesn't he yeah he does it does. Uh, it does sort of fit. This one. He's, a bit, he's a bit rough around. I mean, he's a bit rough around the edges of most of his roles, isn't he? But yeah, he's in this one yeah. as well. But he has a rugged. He has a rugged look, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, Joanna Lumley's in it as well. Um, yes. Th- which uh, kind of uh, surprised me when I, when I saw that. And and also Rob Reiner pl- uh, plays um, the the dad of of um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. And yeah. Rob Reiner is better known as a director, uh, where he directed This Is Spinal Tap, um, mm-hmm. amongst other things. Uh, I'm trying to find a list of other movies he's done because that's the only one I can think of now. Um, but he, yeah, he did. Oh, oh, hello. He didn't just do that one. I just hit the microphone. He also did. Here we go. Ready for this? He did Stand By Me. Oh, that was a great film from the 80s. A bunch of kids set in the 50s. Yeah, based on Stephen King. He did When Harry Met Sally, uh, okay. Rob Reiner, Misery. Oh, wow. A Few Good Men. Oh, 
um, the American president, the one with um, Michael Douglas as a widowed president who meets a woman that he kind of likes. That's and the only one that's gone over my head. It's a bit difficult for him to date because he's the American president. So we're like, when he phones her up for a date, she thinks it's a joke and she slams <laughs> her phone down. Then he turns up at the Secret Service to where she works. He tries to buy her some flowers, but he can't because he's the president. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, and, and yeah, and he's, he did the bucket list. And uh, most recently, it's been announced he's doing Spinal Tap 2. Yes, yeah. So there you go. That was Rob Reiner, who who has also appeared in front of the camera. He played the director in Spinal Tap. Um, but yeah, he Marty DeBerge. Uh, uh, but he is uh, he is in this film where he plays the father of um, of Leonardo DiCaprio. And I thought he was rather good in that and all. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street. That's uh, that's 11, 10 p.m. on Wednesday, the 23rd of November on ITV4. Let's move to Thursday, the 24th of November. Great movies, 9 p.m. Law Abiding Citizen. Another appearance from Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx is returning again. Most actors make a double appearance here, don't they? Um, in this film, uh, this action crime drama, a frustrated man decides to take justice into his own hands after a plea bargain sets one of his family's killers free. Uh, Gerald Butler stars as the... Well, the law-abiding citizen in this film, uh, who is uh, pretty much just fed up with how the, the Justice Department does their job, so he decides to take it into his own hands with some really gruesome contraptions and traps, and you know, it's very, um, it's, it's a bit seven light if you're looking if you're looking for a sort of a comparison to go for. But uh, it's it's honestly it's a, it's really enjoyable to watch uh, Gerard Butler sort of come up with all these schemes of how he's somehow from trapped you know from trapped inside a prison he's doing all these awful things to these people who. Should it be happening to them or not? I um I did think that because he was kind of he plays the, vi- the vigilante who goes a bit far. Yeah. Um, I felt the movie went a bit far. I, th- I felt it, it jumped the shark at one point. <laughs> yeah. And then you just saw oh, this is just ridiculous now. And That's what he goes. How could he possibly have done all this? You know? He just he jumps from his uh, his his family's murderers to just uh, anyone who's you know done some jaywalking at some point, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it just it, it it started to lose credibility considerably as as it went on, but it started really well. Yeah. Um, it does. And 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 some great supporting actors in there uh, alongside Jamie Foxx and Gerald Butler. Uh, another one of my favourites that's been in millions of movies over the years Colin Meany mm, uh, yes Chief O'Brien from Star Trek for those who may remember uh, he, he's in there with quite quite a, a big part uh, also um, Viola Davis is in there but she's yeah. quite a way down the cast list but uh, but she's in well, there I remember, as well uh, Viola Davis is playing the is playing the uh, the the district attorney she's the mayor oh but yeah close I, look, my understanding of American politics means that I'm not too sure which is which but yeah. even though I do actually know what a mayor is so that's yeah. just well but it's nice to see Viola Davis in something as well. Yeah, yeah. And this was back before she became really, really well known. And uh, yeah, so uh, so that's the film Law Abiding Citizen, which is on uh, great movies, 9pm on Thursday, the 24th of November. Max, uh, which of those movies that's on TV this week is going to be your film of the week? Oh, I do think I've, this time I'm going to have to go with Wolf of Wall Street. Just as soon as we started talking about it again, it, it brought back just how much of a fun ride that one is. Okay, uh, that's that's Max's film of the week. Uh, the list of films that Max has recommended uh, it's in the post- it's in the podcast notes now, along with when those films are on TV. And uh, next week it is the return of Sam Rolf doing the film guide. Uh, so Max, thanks very much. We'll catch up with you again sometime real soon. See you soon.